0: Good morning, welcome to The Old School. It's Ross Miller along with the esteemed Dr. Stephen Bourgeois, coming to you live uh, from our various intellectual epicenters, the nurturing bosom of our homes, and ready to set out another podcast and another topic. Um, good morning, Dr. Bourgeois. Good
1: morning, Dr. Miller. How are you doing? Um... I'm fine. I I, I always enjoy your introduction. I I wanted to ask you why you always start with the word and. I mean, it's like the middle of a clause. Does that come from your baseball background or or what is that? Um, I don't know. Maybe it's something to
0: suggest that they've missed something fun at the onset and leaves them wanting to know what's going to happen next. I don't know, Uh, but I don't know why I start with and. Well, usually, people go with the definite article "the" uh, yes. when they start out a speech, but because uh, everybody knows the definite article is typically the, the more proper way to start a sentence.
1: Well, I like it. I like what you're doing, and and for our listeners, before we we start, we usually actually have better conversation than we we share with you. And, <laughs> and, and today, somehow, we were talking about waiting in lines, and and actually, there there is a connection to our main topic because we're going to talk about the end of the school year right uh and at some point you know in my recollection checkout meant standing in line so I, I think we'll we'll bring into that but we talked about disney world or whatever the heck it's called and all the potential lines there and we both kind of groaned disney world creates the same involuntary
0: reaction as the dmv does with me i mean the notion of having to weather through that little slice of bureaucracy. <clears throat> I put it on par with waiting at Disney, but then at Disney it's worse because then you're surrounded by grown adults dressed as cartoon characters. And it just it just kind of accentuates the, the carnival-like atmosphere of Rome in its last days. <laughs> That's what I think about. I think about the United States on its last legs And we're doing silly crap, like, uh, people dressed up like dogs or princesses or whatever the, whatever the hell they're dressed up as. I don't even know what half these people are, but, uh, fortunately, guess what I heard. I heard that my wife has planned for just her and her mother to take my daughter to Disney world. I only have to go. Not only do I not have to go, I get the house to myself.
1: I, I don't know how you do that. I mean, I, I don't know you, either. You didn't ask, and it, it, it fell on your lap. I've never been, but there are, there is talk um, that it will happen. And well, um, oh, your kids are basically grown. They're not going to want to go to Disney World, are they? Um, I think everybody but us <laughs> likes to go to Disney World, uh, and this is part of our decadence and our grumpiness. Um, <laughs> is that something so joyful as Disney World? We 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 just don't like. We we make we earlier we made fun of Elmo and really took, <laughs> took a, a diatribe approach to Sesame Street. Um, so it, I guess it's not surprising that you would you know
0: what I like? Well, you know what I like best? I like the fact that my, my wife didn't even ask if I wanted to go. She just assumed I'd have no interest in it. And she just went ahead and made plans without me, which one, shows that she's a very intuitive woman. Two, that she
1: cares and loves me. And I think this is good. And I, I think also she knew that the, Overall time of the the group would be diminished with your presence. <laughs> um, Probably so. All right, like that. But the <clears throat> I guess we, we could do this backwards because the the connection I had with that that odd discussion of Disney World it, it came to mind because at the end of school and then we're going to back up. Um, we we always had a checkout procedure. Um, mm. Do they still have those today where you have to get every assistant principal to initial something and you kind of go through the circles of hell to get out of there? <laughs> they do still
0: have it. Now, I will say that, <clears throat> excuse me, good gracious. Um, I will say that in the year of the COVID, a year that has made everything more difficult, on the flip side of that, it has made checkout easier because. As a department chair, we have these meetings and then we say, "Okay, how should we do checkout this year? Uh, And uh, and I didn't even bring it up. I wasn't even the one that started this conversation, but the idea of, well, we should streamline this as much as possible. And so basically, if your grades are turned in, if everyone who failed knows they failed, Bob's your uncle, you're out the door, we'll sign the sheet and you're done. Whereas before, you're right. It was like it, it was it was like going. It was like going through some sort of bureaucratic hell where you just had to go from one door to the next, and each door had its own line of varying lengths and sizes and and uh, movement speed, and you know where you had to check out. You had to check out the library. Did you get all your equipment in? Did you check out with the one principal that is in charge of the books? The book czar, the book Nazi. You had to check out with them. And then Mm -hmm. I don't know, Mr. Miller says you're here. You have one book about (laughs) quantum physics. I said, trust me, I would never have a book about quantum (laughs) physics. It's not me. And then you just go to, you know, just go to all these other people. And it was like their own little fiefdom. It was their own little slice of authority and power. And it was their own little way of making, and I, I'm sure I'm sure most of them didn't think about it this way, but I did know a couple that did think about it this way, where to them, this was their opportunity in a world where they have no power. They have no authority. They thought they were going to get authority being a vice principal, but they have no authority over the kids. Kids don't listen to them. Their wife probably doesn't listen to them. No one listens <laughs> <Okay>. to them. <laughs> and then in this one little moment, they get to be the end all to be all. And you got to sit there and genuflect and, you know, kowtow or whatever the case may be. And then and then uh, you do the dance, they sign the document with great flourish and then send you on your way.
1: So well, you, you described that whole process much better than, than I could. I, <laughs> I, I tend to block things out that I don't like to remember. Um, but the idea of a, a vice principal you know, with a line outside her or his door right um it, it is my my memory of that and i, I had a conversation once with a, a one of those experienced teachers like us you know when right. i was a little bit younger uh, and so we call them dinosaurs. And so there was a dinosaur who <laughs> <That's> noticed <us. laughs> that this vice principal had a line, and they were talking, asking all these questions. You know, tell me about what are you going to do this summer? You know, how's your <laughs> wife? Sign the damn documents. Yeah. Suddenly, they're interested, but it goes on and on. And yeah. I and I asked her, why? why that, why is she doing this? <laughs> and she looked at me and she said she said because she can. <laughs> thought, okay, now I see the game. So I think you're, you're right on. It's an exercise of power. Uh, but those little stamps or signatures were hard to come by. And, and I remember there was a something that had to happen before you even got your first one. I mean you had to start you know you had to turn in your grades, you had to clean up your rooms. So there was some work on the front end. And then yeah. the afternoon is where you get those signatures. Um, but there's but I, one
0: even worse than that. It's well, the that, one that says that you can't come to see them until like three 30. Oh yeah. They when you, when you've been ready to go at one 30 and you got to wait around for the schmuck to, 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 deign, to see the masses, the hoi polloi <laughs> with paper in hand, come to see the petition, the King, you know, yes. <laughs> so you got to wait to three 30 before you can do anything. Cause they got to make it a full day.
1: Well, well, so never, someone
0: has got to be the one to six, six yeah. around till
1: 3.30. Well, the, I, I was less concerned with the vice principals and whoever, you know, the librarian. I mean, they were doing what they needed to do. And, and let's face it, most of them are really efficient and quick because they, very, they very understood. So. Um, but I was more concerned with the teachers because, you know, I, I was cleaning up my room. It was a day long procedure. And then I check out. I wasn't trying to race out of there, but most of my colleagues had everything ready. <laughs> Once they arrived on that day, you know, grades in text was everything, they were ready to leave. You know, they, like we said before, their cars backed into the space. <laughs> and, and so they were just impatiently waiting. And as soon as they checked out, they left, you know, and now you know concerned. why they are able to do that. No, I don't. This
0: is where we take a step back. OK, because for the last week and a half prior to school. <laughs> they didn't do crap, <laughs> you know, so they, they, it, it may have been a study hall. It may have been just a gap session. It may have been, you know, whatever it was, well, it was, you know, especially now because we make everything about the tests, right? We preach ad nauseum about the test. So after the test is over, the kids understandably think they're done, even though we still got like a week and a half, two weeks left of school, they think we're done. And it takes a it takes a miracle, the likes of which have started small religions to get them to (laughs) to do anything to be able to be productive. And um, and it's and that's how they got everything done, because because they they don't really have to kind of interact with the kiddos that much unless they want to. And then they'll sit there and they'll get all their grades set up and they'll get everything in place for the moment they do that final checkout. And then they hit that car facing
1: outwards and they're gone. They're, they're gone. And there was a, I don't know if it's a great movie, but a movie that I saw a few times with Mark Harmon. Do you remember that? It was called summer school, summer school. And, and at the end of the, you're story, right. I'm not sure it's a great movie. But no, uh, <laughs> but he was like with the students in the in the gym, you know, doing the countdown. They had the clock on, and he was wearing his Hawaiian shirt, and he celebrated with the kids, and just left, ran out. Uh, and then I think they stopped him. He had to teach summer school. That was the whole thing. Um, but um, I think a lot of teachers are, are in that uh, position because they, they've been preparing for that checklist for about two weeks because they've literally checked out. Right. Um, well, the
0: kids have, you might, you might as well join them, I guess, you know? So
1: I guess so. But like in many things, I, I kind of railed against that and you know, that's mm. our whole premise of, of our podcast. But I, I spent that day casually going through my materials and, and it was no easy thing. And so I was typically the last person to leave. And and at mm. that point, the power uh, relationship shifts because those vice principals want to get the heck out of there. And, um, so then the, then they come looking for you. Oh, not just looking. it was, they're, they're, they're lined up outside your door. <laughs> no, they weren't lined up. They had the intercom and this stresses me to this day, but they would get on the intercom. There was one Latin teacher next to me. And so they would say, uh, Mr. Burgess at that point, or Mr. Bourgeois, and then Mr. So-and-so the Latin teacher, uh, please turn in your, your forms. And they, that every about, 30 minutes they would list a few teachers that weren't there and it was usually eventually was the two of us and they'd just give up and say come come back tomorrow or leave it on my desk doesn't matter they'd sign it ahead of time they were just tired Um, but that was my experience and it still stressed me out um trying to get out of there in my own way so i'm surprised you didn't find the joy in that oh i did I, i kind of enjoyed it but i had i actually wanted to leave because often i would drive back to oregon from texas to oregon on right my car was packed right but i still you know it 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 was a process to literally process the the year and and i would worry about grades i'd turn in a grade and you had a Mm -hmm. borderline grade it took me about driving to denver to forget about my grades (laughs) because those are those borderline things or did i forget this or whatever, but it, that Colo- process, Colorado will make, Colorado will make you forget things. It, 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 <laughs> it did, But as soon as I turn West after that, you know, I think yeah. it got better. Um, but I, you know, to me, the end of the year is stressful. Um, and what about, um, you right now, because it's about two years, uh, or two years, two, two weeks until yeah. that, that scoreboard goes off. So how, what are you up to? Well, the, um, um, the, the
0: AP testing is over uh, for the most part. And so there's a couple of straggling ones, uh, more makeups than anything else. And so I usually leave um, the time around the AP testing to give the students plenty of time to study. You know, a lot of times you'll come to class and there's only like four people there because a good chunk of them are doing one test or another, what have you. And most of my students take anywhere between two to six AP exams which personally six seems like it seems excessive. You know, I knew one girl that, that had signed up for seven. And I said, what counselor thought that was a good idea to let that kid sign up for seven AP, AP classes? Uh-huh. But um, so the, usually the last part, you know, yeah. the, the problem with the AP curriculum is that you really don't have any time to dig in. You know, as far any kind of a thing, you know, whether it's my own personal interest, whether it's the kid's personal interest. I mean, you try to touch on what they want or what they're interested in. You could spend 20 minutes, 40 minutes or whatever the case may be, but you really can't dig in. And so um, this last week is a chance to dig in on some topics. And so, um, you know, talking about the influenza epidemic, for example, uh, 1918 and um you know, prior to a couple of years ago, my students only saw it as an historical oddity. They had no, had no contextual understanding of what it meant to go through a, an epidemic or a pandemic. Now they do, and so it makes it it makes for an interesting conversation with some of the students about, um, about what it is that they are drawn to, and, and what they and what they notice compared to what the experience that Americans went through in 1918, 1919 and compare that with what we're going through now. And some of it is some of the same arguments. Some of it is some of the same discussions, uh, but um, but it just allows for us to dig in a little bit. And that's what I enjoy. Now I only really have this week coming up to do that because then after this week coming up is finals week. And then, well, here's another thing that kind of makes everything farcical at the end is that we now have an exemption policy. And the exemption policy, uh, allows a student to forego the final exam of a class, provided he has a certain graded point average and not, not that many absences. But because of COVID, because half the kids are online, how do you really measure absences? It seems like an easy question to answer, but apparently not. And so what they've done is just they've just made it a great thing that if their semester grade uh absent of the AP of the uh, final exam is 85 or higher then they get to exempt the test. Okay. And I've so I've heard of
1: that, but um, usually it has minimum of two absences or you're disqualified
0: right now. The absences are off the board. Yeah. You're going to, you're not going to have anyone there. And then there are going to be some teachers that are going to sit there and look at their grade book. and say, Well, crap, I'm going I'm to have to have two kids in here. Okay. They passed, you know, and, and that's not, that's not the rule. You know, I don't want to make it seem like, you know, there's this kind of pale male anarchical atmosphere here in the school building. But, you know, that there are there are probably a teacher here and there that does that. And so that last week is going to be even more ridiculous because kids are
1: exempt. Well, I recall some, some schools that did that where I taught and and I didn't like it. Um, at all, I mean, I was, again, I get grumpy, uh, when I have to agree with policies like that, because you really don't have a choice as a teacher, you don't say, okay, I'll, I'll go with that, (laughs) but it's, but it's coming from above, but the, the students are a little bit arrogant and say, Hey, I have an 85, I'm not testing boom, you know, um, but the, and at the that end- point,
0: at that point really it's only your interaction your relationship with your kids that keeps right. them from being insufferable.
1: That's right. You have no test to fall back on which as we've discussed before is really the main sense of control a teacher has. Mm. But those that's why the end of the year gets kind of stupid mm. in a way because your your teachers are trying um, heroically not to give any more work uh, mm. they have to grade. And, um, and suddenly they're, they're, I mean, I think everybody should take a test um, hmm. and it should just be what you do. But also it it comes down to, I mean, imagine you're not teaching AP, but you actually have to give a test or, you right. know, uh, they tend to be objective, multiple choice scantron tests for, I would say a good portion of the, the teachers. Is that not right? For ease of grading and speed of grading, it tends to
0: be what is most efficiently capable of doing on a grand scale in a short amount of time.
1: Okay. And that breaks our number one rule of assessment. Mm. Um, The two of us suggest that uh, there's an inverse relationship between the quality of an assessment and how hard it is for the teacher to grade. Right. And so breaking that rule out of expediency to, to get everybody out of that parking lot as quickly as possible. Um, both the I, students and the teachers, that's right. Um, <laughs> but I, I consistently broke that rule. I mean, I, if, if I had a um, multiple choice portion. I also had a writing portion mm-hmm. you know, always. And so during right. that, that afternoon where I was getting bugged and yelled at through the intercom uh, quite often, I was grading, you know, op- open-ended essay questions you know, right. and, you know, not really smart, you know, strategically on on my part, but I, I, I felt that that was, you know, you, you might as well give them a test if you're going to give them a test.
0: Right. Well, with mine is a little bit different in the sense that, in US history, in the state of Texas, kids take in an AP class, they take two what amounts to final exams. There's the star test, which is the end of course exam, which goes towards graduation. And then there's the AP exam. Um now personally, if you've done two, a third seems gratuitous, you know. And so I have a different inter- I have a different relationship with the final exam um in in that regard simply because of how my class is structured but if you're like in an on-level class i think i think it it would be interesting how much pushback you would get i think the kids take it they take it you know whatever you know they do it they don't do it who cares but it'd be interesting to see how much pushback you got by suggesting that you know a non AP class should do a test that consisted both of multiple choice as well as short answer. I think people would look at you like you had two heads. You know, it's like, what the hell's wrong with you? What did you just say? They would assume they didn't hear you correctly. They would, <laughs> <laughs> they would assume that something got lost in the translation. You know, maybe the Zoom session cut out at a particular moment. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. But, but the, you would, you would imagine universally there would be kind of like this big question mark over people's head if you had
1: suggested that. Well, I can't remember how many times I, I ended the year with with writing, even for courses I took that were relatively straightforward, like um, applied music, music appreciation, where they mm. did writing. And but the weird thing is that nobody's going to see the the graded paper, and I think you know teachers know that also, and they can just put a number there, and, and yeah. that's that. And they're not going to pass it back. Um, but a, a assessment is 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 kind of challenging because that whole last semester or whatever or quarter whatever you want to call it, typically culminates on something, and then you're culminating on something that's really not there,
0: or culminating on something that doesn't take you to the end of the year. You know, it's just it and it just and here and here's the danger about making the test everything. Is that once you take the test away? you might as well take the kid away. Cause the kid's not there mentally, metaphysically, however spiritually, mm-hmm. emotionally, however you want to look at it, the kid's not there. And I remember having a kid come into my class on yesterday. I said, Hey, how you doing? He says, he stopped for a second. He looked at me and said, he said, I think I can tell you this. And I was like, Oh dear. <laughs> and he said, you know what, Mr. Miller every day lately, it's just been a conversation with myself to convince myself that I need to come to school. And I was like, well, I said, I said, I'm glad, I'm glad the angel won this today. I'm glad to see you. And, uh, and, uh, I look forward to seeing you next week. He goes, maybe, maybe not. You know, it's just cause he doesn't care anymore. You know, you know, he's got his grade in essence, he has his grade, you know, so
1: he doesn't have to worry about it. So um, I guess we don't want to get too deep into that that question of what that attitude really means you know it's it's showing the motivation comes from the grade and if it's not tested and doesn't affect their bottom line which is their gpa why do it um and the schools can't complain about it because the schools create it they they created every element of it and and if the students um actually they're they're low motivation or their low quality motivation is accentuated by all of those policies at the end of the year
0: and this is the thing that that bothers me the most and that is the idea that learning is only for the purpose of achieving an end and it is not for its own sake it's not for its own interest, and you know i I just i don't think i don't i don't understand how you sustain And this is why a lot of these mission statements you see painted on the walls done by some third year art class or whatever the heck they got going on, you know, but um, this is why those mission statements are full of crap because you sit there and you talk about in the mission statement, you talk about the building of lifelong learners. There is nothing, nothing going on in the last three weeks that is suggestive. Of an atmosphere that creates lifelong learners. Matter of fact, it is testimony of the opposite. Now, thankfully, kids have their own self-will and they have their own, they have their own interests, and many of them do endeavor to try to learn something new. But there's nothing more enticing, there's nothing more provocative than the idea that you can mentally check out now for the next three months until you start this thing over again and you
1: know into the next grade, you know? So, well, the, the feeling, at least as a teacher, for me, it, it's kind of this anticlimactic feeling and, and, and then, it, then everybody's gone. Mm. You know, the, the building closes up and you, you walk out and you're on on summer break, whatever that means, but, but you don't have the, you know, to use an af- athletic metaphor, you don't have the tournament at the end to where you win or lose or whatever, but there, it, it seems to be a, a bit, of a dull moment as you walk out of that room. It's not the moment where you, you see the teacher walking down the hall, kind of pat, patting himself on the back and raising the arm, a little celebration. <laughs> um, that's not real life. You know, you walk out and think, okay, that we, we got our grades in and what really happened there. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: no, I mean, I, I think, I think um, at that point, it's more of a sigh of relief than anything else. You know? And so, Because first of all, the year is over, but then the farce that was the last couple of weeks is over and you can stop pretending on some level of trying to get these kids to to still want to learn or still want to. And and again, I I have to, I feel like I have to make the point that first of all, we're not talking about all teachers. Second of all, we're not talking about all students. I mean, there are students that want to learn something, you know, if you're going to go into the building for God's sakes, you know, have an interest to want to learn something. I mean, why else would you get up in the morning, you know? And the same thing for teachers there are a lot of teachers who want to be able to still talk about their subject, still engage with their students in the subject and so um i want to make it clear that you know when we talk about this we're talking in generalities and and while that can be helpful for discourse it's not helpful for um you know perhaps uh, you know considering that there there are uh, there are anomalies in that so um but you know, for a teacher, I think, and especially this year, and it's hard to kind of categorize this year uh, when you compare it to the other years. But I think a lot of people are just waiting for the reset in August. You know, they're waiting for some sense of normalcy. And I talked, you know, I had had my end of year conference with my AP and with my principal, because uh, my function is the department chair. And they were talking about there's what do you see as your major goal next year? I said, well, my major goal was to bring teaching back, you know, that, you know, we need to step away from the kind of capitulation we've done out of, the, out of necessity towards Zoom sessions and, and computers and Chromebooks and all this other stuff. And we need to go back to interacting. We need to go back to talking, discussing, uh, doing stuff that is more and can only be done by a human being in front of a... In front of a student you know we need to kind of reclaim the discipline reclaim the occupation and bring teaching back you know so um to me that's going to be the biggest trick and right now no one's thinking about that right now they just want to get through the rest of this damn year and just call it a day and you know say okay there's a chapter for the retirement book and you just and you just hope that Next year is some has some sort of sense of normalcy. You know, our our district had already said that the, that we were not going to have uh, remote students next year. There will be a, like a virtual academy, but there's a limited number of seats. and They've got their own staff, which means we're going to be you know live live nationwide in front of kiddos from the first day of school. And it, it you know provided everything works out all right, that's going to be the biggest biggest task is to take us from this mentality right now. To a mentality, as if it were two years ago, to get us back into the mindset that we're going to be teachers, we're going to interact, we're going to do things the way uh, should be done and is more uh, is is better to to be done.
1: Well, next year will be fascinating, I think. Uh, of all the professions, you know, the, the teachers do need a break, you know. Mm. So this this summer, you know, is, is an important one that they rest and decide to come back even and i think a lot of them will probably more than people think there are a Mm -hmm. lot of tales of attrition but just getting a picture of normalcy even now um, is probably going to plant the seed that it's going to go back to what they're used to Um, but it's it's hard i mean we're talking about closing out a year in a noble fashion finishing up um but but really the the teachers need to to get get out as soon as possible and and as cleanly without any worries other Mm. responsibilities um and the professional development comes in early august for for many schools so the the idea of a three month vacation is it's really maybe two or something like that um so they're going to need every day of it i would say
0: You're going to need every day of it. And I like the image that you said that the idea of wanting to end the class and end the year um, nobly, you know, to be able to do so with a sense of honor. And I think that's part of the reason why some teachers still hang on to the notion of teaching their subject even beyond the test, because to check out two weeks before the year is over would seem to call into question everything you said or did the preceding, you know, however many weeks you were in that classroom. You know, how do you, how do you sit there in front of your students and all year long tell them this is important, and then in the last two weeks say, eh, eh, study hall, play cards, you know, we're not going to do anything serious here. You just basically called yourself a liar from the previous however many weeks that you were in that classroom to suggest that this class is only important, that this subject is only important when there's a test in front of us, that it's not important in and of itself. I think that I I think that I take
1: offense to that. Yeah. You know? And and it's a cumulative effect, you know, teacher after teacher, year after year for, for, for the students, because mm-hmm. we do communicate um, every day to them what, what's important, how they what are the expectations. And in, in other places, um, Germany, we talk a lot about that. You know, they don't phone it in at the end. I mean, they have some fun activities for the kids. They call them field days and so forth. Mm-hmm. But they also build in, you know, my understanding is some some grading days because they 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 don't use bubbles, you know, multiple choice. Yeah. tests. so they're still grading essays at the end. So they at the end, so they take a pragmatic approach and probably build in a, a few grading days. And um, I mean, what what happens when we the grades are due the same day that you give your last test? You know, it kind of precludes a, a meaningful test because you need to be able to grade it and turn right. it in. Right. Um, so just a scheduling thing of, of professional development the at the end might make some difference, but I don't think so. I think like you said earlier, it's ingrained into students and teachers and administrators that, that we close out quickly and, and and pivot to the next year, probably in the in the early month of May uh, when we'd mm-hmm. like that pivot to happen at the beginning of June. And
0: you know, they used to do uh, in service training at the end of the year. Right. Where you know where you were there for an extra day or so mm-hmm. doing God knows
1: what I mean. Um, but <laughs> not, you don't want, you but don't want that. You don't want to go there. You don't want any group sessions with teachers in a room um, <laughs> at the end of the year. Um, talking about a toxic environment. Yeah, you know? <laughs> right. Let's, let's let's tell us how you're all feeling right now. Yeah. Um, well, we're feeling that we have to be in a room with each other right now. That's the last thing we want at this point.
0: Tell us what your uh, lasting impressions are of the week of the year how could we have done things better how much time do we have i don't have a day here but uh yeah um it's a and i think administration kind of administration kind of gave up the ghost on that one in the same way that uh that some teachers give up the ghost on the on the school year you know in the last couple weeks it was like well this is pointless you know um and for the administration you know behind every question should be another question. Do you really want to know the answer to your first question? You know? Yeah. And so, um, and of course, you know, it compounds the problem teachers are a rather bitchy lot to begin with. I mean, they'll sit there and they'll complain about, you know, free ice cream on Sundays, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know, we got to show up on Sunday for free ice cream. You know, it's just, I mean, it's they're some of them are horrid individuals, but, uh, uh, and so as an administrator, you really have to kind of, Play your cards right as to what questions you ask, and you know, and like I said, you have to ask that question: Do you really want to know the answer? You know, so, um, so I think just cumulatively, it makes um, the the end of this thing uh, rather ignoble to be to be fair.
1: So. It's a great way to end our, our program on that uh, depressing note. Um, we started out talking about waiting in lines and uh, Disney. Disney. I don't know where that came from, but, but the, you the, brought it up, but yeah. Uh... You know, and a lot of teachers are going to leave that line from their vice principal's office uh, to the Disney line. Who knows? You know, they yeah. put themselves right back in there. The only difference is, is that the,
0: the, the Disney line will have that kind of back and forth kind of snake, like, you know, doesn't get quite that bad at the vice principal office, but, uh, who
1: knows? I don't know. So, so what are you doing on your vacation, Steve? I don't have a vacation. That's the thing. And I never did as a teacher. I would always do, do, you know, continue working in some capacity. I'm not really good at vacations, as you know. Um, more, uh, it's more than a workaholic. It, um, it, it's working because it kind of gives joy. And when you're not working, you're, you're bored silly.
0: Yeah. Well, my wife has had to deal with, because even when we get away, mm-hmm. like the day, even the day and a half before we leave to come back home, I'm already mentally back home, working through problems in my head. It drives my wife crazy. She goes, can't you just enjoy that? We're still here. I say, yeah, we're still here. Yes. But I have a reality I have to return to here in about another day. It doesn't make sense to just surprise myself with it and all the responsibilities they're in, you know, the moment I step off the plane, you know, I start thinking about it. And so I think it's the burden our wives must shoulder, unfortunately. And, uh, and uh, uh, it's what it makes them all the more remarkable. I think that
1: both of us married up to a certain degree. and so oh, yeah. But, but, and they, I'm not going to say they married down, but they married a couple of grumpy people. <laughs> uh, no doubt about that. There's more than one occasion when my wife has said, God bless it. What are you going to be like at 60? <laughs> so <laughs> well, I'm almost there. And I have, I have an answer to that. I haven't really changed so far. <laughs> Um, oh and I, just, I just feel bad for my wife she'll just shake her
0: head and i'm like you i was like this when you met me don't shake your head it's i've just... heard you say that <laughs> whenever
1: i come over to the house that comes up <laughs> um, we, we need to wrap it up wrap it up um, yes yeah. so let's, let's uh let's call let's it a day
0: and uh let's say have a good weekend Hair dr bourgeois enjoy your weekend too
1: Yeah.